Welcome to the UCM. We're your tour guides, Zan Peters and Joe Semino. And we're going to be taking you through our humble little museum's collection. The exhibits may or may not be real, but the stories sure are. Enjoy your visit today at the Uncanny County Museum. allowed back in my favorite thrift store anymore (laughs) why i might have set one of the electronics i was trying out on fire oh my god and Uh, made the whole store smell like burning plastic what did you do i joe i was thinking of you i was i was shopping for you you un you ungrateful Uh, I was I was looking at a four track cassette recorder, you know, and plug it in. And wouldn't you know, the thing catches on fire. Oh, my God. Um, So I walk over to the Pyrex because, you Mm -hmm. know, then, you know, after they have to take care of that, then I drop something. But, you know, it's Pyrex, so it doesn't break, but it sounds awful. And so then I just I I bought a record and left and I don't know if I'm allowed back in. (laughs) You Irish goodbye a little bit, I guess. Well. (laughs) Oh my god, that's a that's a heck of an exit for sure. Uh huh. Well, speaking of exits, um, we have an entrance of mm. uh, our esteemed guest today, uh, our guest lecturer here at the Uncanny County Museum. Would everyone please welcome the one and only Daniel Babin? Yeah. I just got like teleported in here. What's up, y'all? Oh, oh nice. yeah, yeah, we yeah. Beamed you, you in. You, yeah, 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 just Star Star Trek beamed you in. Can we add that to yeah. in post? Yeah, oh, sure. totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah sick, sick. Mm-hmm. Joe, <laughs> add in a really dumb sound. How <laughs> 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 he enters. Honestly, I feel like you know. I feel like <laughs> like when you enter, there's almost like a little flurry of mandolin on the soundtrack. Oh, oh in, that's the mo- cool. in the movie of in, in the movie or the TV show of of our lives. If if you were like. If our life was like Seinfeld, instead of like a bass thing, you'd just hear like a little little bit of bluegrass when you walk in. That would be mm. cool. That'd be cool. I think that's what jingle. I want. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. image that I want to exude, but I think it's more. Mm-hmm. I feel more like, I don't know, noise mm-hmm. metal or mm. tuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. 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 I mean, as as a musician and a geologist, how many how many rock jokes like you get on average i despise the rock jokes sometimes um, it's just let like, me let me throw out all of my material for this tour i'm gonna cry joe has no jokes left that'll be good for the promote promotionary material legendary podcasters make geologists cry uh, yeah I mean, I'm I'm just glad we're doing promotional material. I'm I sitting know. here underneath uh, what appears to be a giant uterus. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a, way to, like, that's a way to explain it. I think it's good, too, because like now we're incorporating some visual aspects, and that opens the door for stunts. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Is that the next level? So it's like audio, and then you have visual, and then it's actual stunts, and then, you mm-hmm. know... I mean, there's like some audio stunts, but like I can't think of them. So now, like you know, I got my bed mm. behind me. I could like just 
belly flop yeah. off of it, maybe. Not that there's enough right. square footage in my apartment. Well, like, like an audio stunt, <laughs> I would think of, like, ventriloquism, which, like, ventriloquism is <laughs> completely lost on, on uh, <laughs> podcasting and radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, guess they, Jeff Dunham yeah. didn't break into that part of comedy podcasters. Mm-hmm. Think of all the vaudeville... <laughs> Uh, ventriloquists that just you know lost their shirts when radio came around yeah 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 they couldn't keep like they couldn't feed the no kids one, anymore no one, th- no one thinks about them no you know they're like mm. who who was who was paying for all that shoe polish they were rubbing on their face Oof. <laughs> <laughs> um oh god but but yes uh your, your love your love of rocks um as as a little bit of background i guess Daniel, uh, you were doing a semester abroad my first year at MSU, and uh, that that's right, right? I'm remembering that correctly? That's correct, yeah. I would cool. say fall okay. of 13. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. uh, and uh, you, you were out in Montana from Louisiana, and uh, if you... I, I was really hoping you could kind of tell us a little bit about first, like you weren't a geologist originally and then like being out West, like kind of got you into it. That's true. Yeah. I, uh, I was an engineer at the time. Like I took mm-hmm. oh. classes in Montana. Right. Yeah. It was a uh, highly encouraged in my family mm-hmm. to pursue an engineering career. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I feared, uh, certain aspects of, of, corporate life and you know the mm-hmm. grind and just wasn't very inspired um gotcha and i had a heck of a time out there in montana you know those barn dancing we were talking about this one time those those mm-hmm. barn dancing swing dancing skills really have come in handy in my life uh that's a very <laughs> important thing that i learned it hasn't really helped me so much in geology but other other corners of my life uh, sure. I mean, you never know what small town, s- some small remote place you're going to be at that like, you know, you're the the scientist in from the city, <laughs> but, you know, they have a barn dance and you're ready to go. They like should have made a Hallmark movie. movie. Yeah, oh, my God. Really, oh, my God. Why isn't that a Hallmark like, movie? What, what, okay. Oh the, the geologist comes to town and like. Right. Maybe, maybe. Oh, I bet he's he works for a mining company. Oh, damn, like, he's so the important thing. He's so ripped. He's <laughs> so muscular. He and literally like, lifts the rocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see him like kind of. Oh, oh, guys, and you know what we call it? Hmm. Heart of stone. Nice. Oh, oh that's it, good. It cracks, dude. It cracks. Oh, up. god. Like, like, and then out comes like you know some water mm-hmm. of life. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to just think <laughs> like like I'm trying to make yeah. it like a Hallmark movie. The plot theme. is escaping it. <laughs> yeah, but super yeah. important. Very hot. Very maybe, strong. Maybe sure. Absolutely. Maybe he falls in love with like a girl that runs a local like crystal shop, and he's like just really not into the ooh woo um you know healing properties of crystals stuff. And then he's finally converted whenever a Christmas miracle, you know. A, a crystal, a crystal, a crystal miracle. miracle. A crystal no. miracle. Is crystal moss? Is that? Oh, that's something. That might be too close. To, that the mm, nah, pagans. I, I don't know. Pagans will love it. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. What would be the most Montana? You spent a lot more time there. Like, what would be the most Bozeman, hmm. like, kind of co-protagonist love interest stereotype? Now maybe huh. it's like, you know, fintech or something like that, but right. like a real 2013 <laughs> well, Bozeman yeah. protagonist. Well, I 
I mean, that's that's the whole thing. And I mean, to, I, I haven't lived in Bozeman in, you know, uh, going on uh, five years. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. I uh, When did I? Yeah, I graduated in 2018. Um, so, I mean, there, there's parts of Bo- Bozeman would like to flatter itself, I think, like a cowboy town. But, you know, it's it's techie and college and, and a college town. And it's been that way for decades. Um, but like, you know, when I, when I worked for the museum in Ekalaka, I could totally see something of a scientist coming into town, falling for a rancher, and then they dance at the pitchfork fondue, which is this thing where, um, there's a country band, they're playing in a shed, they have a giant cauldron full of oil, they put meat on the end of pitchforks and stick it in the boiling oil. Oh, and hmm. the pitchfork. Fond- I mean, I, I think you could build this all around the pitchfork fondue. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like getting the Montana lore, having never mm-hmm. been there in my life. It's always so fascinating. Oh, one day, one day I'll one get day. you out there. Just, oh, just yes. you wait. Um, I'm yeah. ready. I'm we'll excited. introduce yeah. you to Christoph Fowler. You'll have a great time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lord. Oh, God. Watch out! Watch out for your tendons and other connective tissues. Huh. They're they're right, in mortal that's... mortal danger. <laughs> Chris, if you're if you're out there, you know how are you doing? Text text um, text yeah. back. <laughs> I texted you and I texted you in June of uh, 2021. Where are you at? Oh, where are you at, boy? <laughs> um, probably uh, you know hunting that one jaguar on the U.S. Mexico border with a this bow and arrow. Very, Yes, this is very niche. I know. Um, lore, it's but, expanding. I mean, the the thing about it, getting back to it, I guess the thing about right. geology is, you know, you have very, it, it, you have that education and stuff uh, and that academia, but very often it does put you in, it, it puts you all over the world, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I mean, as, as a career prospect, was that you know, more kind of appealing to you that you could kind of go anywhere with that and it kind of gives you a license to be an explorer? Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to be an explorer? I'll tell you what mm-hmm. sold me on it was mm-hmm. go to the LSU Geology website, and the first thing that will come up is pictures of these students crawling on outcrops in, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Colorado Rockies, and they're like oh. six, six weeks Colorado Rockies, you know, field geology uh-huh. course, and I saw uh-huh. that, and I was like, you know bat out of hell like this is my new this is my new path and uh you know i mean not to discourage any people thinking about geology but i wasn't like Mm -hmm. enormously excited about the number of career prospects you know Mm -hmm. like immediately available there was a petroleum path that i i wasn't excited about and i maybe even need a master's for anyway some environmental Mm -hmm. paths uh, yeah, but the research, like research, is so pure and so cool. Mm-hmm. I, uh, mm-hmm. I I got I got sucked into it big yeah. time. Cool, uh, right? And and that was the that was the career path, if you could call it a career. Ask my girlfriend yeah. whenever I'm like still in my undies <laughs> at twelve thirty on a Wednesday, and she might question whether or not it's a career. Or, my dad definitely does, but I'm having a great time. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's what matters. Well, it, it, the day, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Pays the bills. I, you one would hope. I, yeah. I mean, that's that's one thing I remember about like being in invert paleo was 
especially in that class, because I feel like there was a very clear distinction suddenly of the people that were there that are interested in the environmental side of it, the uh, paleo people that are interested in kind of the pure science of it. And then I remember this guy in that class that had this sticker on his laptop that just said, assume the position. And it was a uh, like a, a, a stick figure with a gas pump in his ass. And huh. I guess, it, it, is that just the nihilism that a lot of uh, geo people that go down the petroleum or an extraction path, is that just their... Is that just their thing? They're like, we know we're fucked, but we're going to make the money. Oh, I see. I was kind of lost on what the symbolism was. I was like, what's he going to do with yeah. all that gas in his butt? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to hurt. Uh, it's, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll see that next year in the Goop catalog. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, wait. So fully, I need you to explain each component of this metaphor to me. <laughs> 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 Uh, so what's I mean, the gas? I get, the gas pump I think is literally gas, like oil industry, right? But right. I need, every, I need everything else. Is is it? Is it? It's literally fucking you over. Oh, it's it's mm. fucking you. But does it feel good? Like why does? Mm. Is I mean, why, is there money coming I, out I, of his I, mouth or something? It's what's the color scheme, Zan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like, uh, uh, like a a yellow work sign, black, mm. uh, like stick figure, like, like you're looking at like a construction oh. sign. Okay, huh? Maybe it's his. Yeah. Maybe it's his pecker. You know, reversed. I, hmm. He's a marsupial, Joe. Obviously, geologists ah, right, sure. it, it hangs behind behind the testes. <laughs> yes, like, like like a marsupial. I figure with the front with the with the stick oh guy, you couldn't really tell the front from the yeah. back necessarily. Hmm. But hmm. did you did you run into kind of that nihilism uh, with with people on, on that on that path on the kind of more the the extraction path of geology? Ah. Uh. That's a great question. You know, I feel like the attraction people are the happiest of everyone, actually. Mm, huh. Yeah. My experience, those are like chipper. I, I think what the real dichotomy is, uh, is business people against academics uh, in terms of just like mm. social skills, perhaps. Mm, okay. <laughs> <But> they, generally, <laughs> they generally tend to be uh, optimistic and outgoing people. And I, I love my classmates at LSU. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, going on to do my PhD, you meet many more different kinds of people, and they're fascinating and brilliant, but uh, mm-hmm. and and so so talented at literally everything. My my roommate mm-hmm. who was in the program with me was a professional ballet dancer at the same time as being a uh, geophysics PhD. What? level That's nutty. No, I meet so yeah. many people who are good at so much Whoa. stuff, but the social. S- scene is very different you know like you know i went out for a field camp with exxon mobil for mm-hmm. like one week in west texas and oh my god we just i mean first of all like the nicest hotels and the best food and we stayed up and drank dude like the the old <laughs> the old geologist men too they were yeah 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 i, I will forever remember what this man says is that uh, this is the time when a certain guy was about to become president. Um, and he mm-hmm. was like, America needs a hot first lady. 
Um, and I guess he was talking bad about our beautiful, amazing Miss Michelle Obama. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the sort of thing that I was trying to avoid. But they knew how to they knew how to party, which you know is different. Uh-huh. So I would say there could be okay. some nihilism, and they're like, "I'm making money, fuck it, and let's enjoy this yeah. world." But right. honestly, that's like I, I do generally support having fun, even if yeah we live in a kind of a dark time. You know, I mean, yeah, so that's complex. valid. Yeah, makes sense. Certainly, I I I think that I you know working in a remote in a remote, remote, like ranching town in Montana, there's a lot of that that I had to adjust to of like the people who are showing you all the hospitality in the world have drastically different values than you. And you don't necessarily want to fall into the let's meet in the middle. Cause the middle for them is still horrifying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. there's, there's a, there's a thing to remember about people that are, they're they're not without their humanity in in moments and you know they're they're mm-hmm. they're 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 a lot more you know fun to hang out with sometimes than than people that have a very stark you know view of 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 politics you that know, is a more fair, sober yeah. view literally <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 i uh i mean i would say that one of the biggest things for me in that regard would be my mm-hmm. family you know i mean mm-hmm. most people I, I literally, I wrote an article for mm. 538 last year uh, using oh. temperature data, like, you know, historical mm-hmm. temperature data and climate models yeah. to talk about the probability of gumbo weather. <laughs> do, you know, do you all know what gumbo is? Please, please tell us. <laughs> so I'm from, I'm from Louisiana like that. And, and down in Louisiana, <laughs> they, they got a stew. It's uh, it's dark in color. You got chicken and sausage in there, and you put it over some rice. It's savory, yeah, for sure, right? And it's seasonal, yeah. You know, like so, you'd eat it during uh, fall and winter, like you know, the first cold snap comes, right, Um, right. And so I was like, all right, what's a way that Louisianians could kind of maybe relate to the idea of warmer temperatures in a more like Mm. kind of human way? You know, because fall also yeah. like kind of co-occurs. I mean, everywhere I think for everyone, fall is nostalgic. But things Louisiana totally care a lot about, like LSU football or whatever mm. it is, because like a lot of people where I'm from don't have the same perspective that I have yeah. on climate change. Uh, and even people yeah. who are very close to me. So I literally interviewed mm-hmm. the person in the article is my my grandfather. Um, uh huh. I had a much longer kind of version of it written out where you know it kind of like played out the whole discussion a little bit about climate change more but what it ended up being was he said below 50 degrees that's good gumbo weather and so i literally counted them and then i you know Mm. ran a bunch of models and uh you know i counted the gumbo weather days days with a high below 50 and you know i kind of wrote this like emotional piece using that data and uh yeah 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 but like interacting i think it's really like i wish that every uh, you know, twenty uh, something, thirty something year old Brooklynite uh, mm-hmm. with a you know a wolf cut could like have a chance to like just live as me with my family for some months and see that they're, and see that they're real people. You know, yeah, yeah certainly. I mean, because we've had um, one of my friends on uh, who's a, a paleontologist who regularly you know has to work with ranchers and stuff and. 
No, it it is a it is a reality. You do meet you do meet good people, um, and you do get the feeling that like if things can be put in terms of things they can relate to and things that they care about, you know, you can you can get through to people. I really love <laughs> really love the idea of, of putting it in terms of of gumbo weather. Of uh, <laughs> that's yeah, I didn't get to pick really the wonderful. I didn't get to pick the article title headline. They said. Not even gumbo's oh. safe from climate change. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh man!" I was like, "That's a little sensational," but uh, uh, yeah, whatever. I, yeah, I made like mm-hmm. like thirty dollars working oh, for oh. some months to do this. That's it. That's an exaggeration, <laughs> but don't get into science writing. Right. I'll warn that to anyone thinking about <laughs> career paths in geology. Uh. Interesting. No, huh. I I think I think coming up with the the phrase gumbo weather is is worth at least 35. <laughs> For sure. That's my that's my that. start rate. Yeah. Right, right. But no, that's that's really cool to like get to, you know, relate it to something like that. I mean, cuz my my grandma will you can get her talking, you know, you can get her pretty pretty candid, pretty talking like things that almost feel like she could be a progressive person, an open-minded person, but you know, it's, it's the media that she consumes that unfortunately I think like makes her like, we need to break up all these teachers unions, you know? (laughs) Um, Right. The real threat to the country. clearly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Academics. Teachers Uh, unions. You gotta love that. You gotta love that. Oh yeah. So close. Um, It's so close. what do you kind of because now you're you're kind of in the like public science education stuff too. You've got a good following, kind of doing the science communicator stuff as well. How did how did you kind of fall into that? I came up with a good name, dude. That's how everything starts. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really it's all about the branding, and you kind of just figure it out from there. You know, then you figure out the well, quality of the product. Exactly. Well, like, and maybe us doing video, this is finally my chance to go into it. But <laughs> I've had only Zans written oh. in a notebook for years. <laughs> only Zans. Only Zans. Only Zans. Zans. Yeah. I and I, <laughs> I don't know what I would put on there just yet. Uh, I but think I'm going to be I have, real- I have the idea. Okay. I do think it may get confused with a drug dealer who only sells Xanax. Ah, oh, damn it. That's just so what as happened long as to you... me when I used to be on Tinder. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, interesting. It's I'm I'm terrible at coming up with the brand identity first. That's why I default to my name at this point. You know, because I'm just like, yeah, just Joe, Joe Semino. My Instagram's Joe Semino R. It's very straightforward because I, anytime I try to get creative with the title, it's just gone. Can't do it. So, but then does that be, that becomes the brand and then you can just kind of lean into it. It's like when I dropped an album and didn't tell anybody and then until it released and was like, hey, by the way, here's 10 songs that I never told anybody I was a musician before. It's a branding strategy. Or Mm. is it laziness? I don't know. Is that a branding strategy? Releasing? I mean, it is if you're... It is if you're Kendrick Lamar, you can drop an album in the middle of the night. I mean, well, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think that would work for if me. I, I think from... someone, one person would like that post and be like, what's up, dude? Good job. I got and some. I, I mean, like... I'll take it. It's better than no one, right? It's better than no one. <laughs> so for me, 
mm-hmm. branding is important. You know, like I yeah. have, I have other. These are big, big money ideas that you guys uh-huh. can maybe be led on to. But you know, it's all. I think it's very okay. important. Like I have an okay. idea for a, a service called Forklift with the Y. <laughs> Um, okay. Like L Y F T. Yeah. And okay. Like like the 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 car service. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm really going to kind of ride on their coattails a little bit, like maybe some pink colors. Mm-hmm. But the whole point is that you hire a guy to come to your house. Uh huh. And the delivery guy gives him the food, and then he feeds you. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So this is like Uber Eats, yeah, but now you're hiring you- a private oh chef. God. I I thought you meant a real forklift, not somebody lifting the forklift. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you get a guy to come over to lift things with the forklift that you can't lift yourself. That's right, dude. I but mean, it's really good, nothing, right? It's not, really nothing good. sexier than being forklift certified. Then you don't even have to lift your hands, dude. You can be so rich you don't. And we're gonna charge a premium, dude. And the guy's gonna look like really sad. Maybe I'm not sure what people would enjoy more. <laughs> <laughs> if we if we, if we talk. We told oh him to look God. sad or not. Uh, <laughs> capitalistic nightmares beyond my comprehension. Uh, it's true, dude. It's coming. It's coming. It's, I mean, yeah, probably. You should probably get on that before someone else does. I know, but see there. how it just, like, makes itself once you've got that? Oh, this That's is another true, one. I just went to a indoor mini golf place called Swingers Club, and I was like... That's good. Uh-huh. It's a good name. I know. Yeah. I'm like, when did you... At what point in the right. investor meeting do you tell them that? Do you tell them that at the very beginning, or do you kind of save that one at the mm-hmm. end and then like kind of wink at them and you say, like, you know what it's called, right? <laughs> <laughs> Swingers club. All right, um, yeah. 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 So hmm. my whole thing is trying to disseminate knowledge about the about the earth and mm-hmm. short, accessible formats. Right. Yeah. I can uh, a lot of it's about posting at the right time, I've learned. Uh, mm-hmm. I can thank my yeah. girlfriend for that. She's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. oh, I shouldn't betray my secrets, should I? Mm. 10 a.m. on Tuesday. Apparently, it's common knowledge. You just post in the morning. Did you know that? Yeah. I, wow. I've been I've been experimenting since I've had more more content than normal uh, lately, uh, out of necessity. What um it, has there been anything that you've put out there that's like gotten a, a response you weren't expecting, like something that people were were surprised to learn or was uh just just not uh now that you're in the geology world is is there something that gets a reaction out of people that aren't in in that you know entrenched in it yeah i mean i have no idea what makes people tick but i have this one video that's Mm -hmm. got like six hundred thousand views or something like that i don't i don't know if it was like people just like so I'm, i'm i'm talking about these metamorphosed sequence of seg- sediments, right? Hmm. Uh, and so it's a rock. I think Julia, my girlfriend, says this. Like, people like cool rocks. That might be part of it. It's true. I- I'm, I'm a sediments person, actually, so I am get more excited. I'm like, oh, my God, look at these beach cusps. But I think I need more rock content because people are horny for rocks. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's a big market, <laughs> man. It's the new age material. I didn't know. Uh-huh. I didn't know. But so I'm like, maybe it's like I had this, like, so I'm usually Julia films and this time she wasn't there. So I sheepishly got my friend Raph to film it. And so maybe mm. I was like a little uncomfortable in this way that made me like smile and cheese more. 
Um, yeah. Maybe they just like, I kind of started out with a little hook. I'm like, okay, so I think we just found some metamorphosed turbidites. And that might sound confusing, but I'm going to break it down for you. Maybe it's like this little hook of something that sounds kind of fantastic that drew people mm-hmm. in. Uh, we were rock climbing that day, so I was wearing, and it was kind of cool. So I was wearing like a nice, brightly colored Patagonia, fluffy, and I had my harness. Patagucci. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Patagucci. dude. I'm ready to live in Bozeman. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, and uh, I was wearing my rock climbing harness, so it's like maybe it's some kind of officialness look, but nothing's quite caught on as much as, as that one. So I'm like, how do you reproduce that? I have no idea, like, what really... What attracts people? I'm telling you guys my theories right now. I think a lot of it, I wish that people like the earth more. Um, my mm. theory, I, I think that a solid, cons, 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 what's the word? Constituency, maybe? Yeah. Contingency? Of my audience? Yes. A solid contingent of my audience is uh, older older women um, mm. hmm. who just like to see me smile and be happy about stuff. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe okay. Okay. I get fan mill. You get you're, you're dealing <laughs> you you're dealing with mill. all kinds of cougars Whoa. on those hikes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's I have this one uh, picture. You know, real, real frizzy, curly hair, mm-hmm. and like a trucker hat and weathered skin, and mm-hmm. and she sounds just like you think. And she says, "You're so beautiful. You make me love rocks." <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I really, you know, I love what I'm talking about, and I think people can feel that. Uh, yeah, it's authenticity for sure. Yeah, I, I hope that inspires people. You know, if my face can do work for me too, that's fine. I'll sell my. I'll, I'll <laughs> sell it. Yeah, I'll sell, sell myself the earth. out for the planet. Sell the yeah. earth. <laughs> well, I was actually I was thinking about this the other day, like uh-huh. Colgate or whatever can pay yeah. for some like stupidly hot like girl or guy to come and like rub their toothpaste on them you know Mm -hmm. for a commercial like that's like part of the point is like we're gonna get literally the most stunningly attractive people Mm -hmm. uh to to be like featuring whatever our product is like why don't we do that for the earth dude we need to say like you know (laughs) you know like let's let's Get in like sexy clothes and wink and stuff, yeah. but like for Earth this instead just, of toothpaste. This just is this is this not the little dicky like song that came out about the Earth a while back? Oh, I know that one. You're right? Yeah, one. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe he incepted me with that. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I mean, seems to work for everything else. So why not? You got to make. Uh, you got to make. Being environmentally conscious and wanting to save the earth attractive, I guess. Gonna make it hot. Right. Yeah, I mean. Sell it. Yeah, it, it's it's all about marketing. And, you it's know, all about marketing. In this, what, in what, this what, landscape. Because <laughs> we right, don't have any sure. inherent, we have no values other than money. Um, it's, mm-hmm. We should clarify that. I feel like y'all probably share my perspective huh. on that. But, oh. But mm-hmm. you're right, Sam, yeah. in that it's all about marketing. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, but this, this is the thing, though, and. And Joe and I in the in the art world in the you know the whatever capacity that we exist in that is this issue where there are people that we share the vast majority of our values with you mm-hmm. know if when it when it comes to environmentalism social justice all that but 
a lot of the media that's made to express that we roll our eyes at still. Yeah, and true. It just and it still annoys us. And it's it's an issue that we've we've talked about even like before COVID. Uh, but every time they tried to make some kids show about how important it was to save the environment it always felt like a knockoff of a better property. It always felt like it Mm -hmm. was pandering. It never, um, the, the thing about like marketing for, you know, these corporations and stuff, they have the wherewithal that they're trying to make, you know, people feel good and feel smart and, um, desirable for their products. And Hmm. a lot of the time, for, especially for environmental stuff, it comes from a place of shame and, you know, uh, trying to tap into people's uh, uh, sympathies, but it always comes off as condescending, it, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's really tough. And the things that people remember are the things that, um, you know, make them feel engaged and wanted to to be in there you know it's the steve Irwins that are you know the most successful when it comes to conservation and stuff true and you know it's you you never like think you're gonna have like no one thinks you're gonna have a fun time with noam chomsky you know <laughs> <laughs> i, I learned something smoke weed but... with noam chomsky yeah he's he's probably this is another thing I think about. So th- this is this is a little bit of a tangent, but I worked for two weeks uh, rolling sushi oh uh, in in one of my moments where I needed money in Boston, and uh, I I was working uh, with this girl, and uh, we got to talking and stuff, and she had you know studied here and there, and you know now she's uh, rolling sushi while she gets her masters or whatever. Um, and she mentions to me that uh, Ellie Wiesel, before he passed, was one of her professors. And I was huh. like, oh, my God, what's what was he like? And she's like, he's so he was so funny. Hmm. And it's like, I guess when you get when you got Ellie Wiesel on for a, a, an interview or to talk about something, it must have always been deathly serious. But. <laughs> Yeah, he probably had he he probably was a funny old guy. Like and and people don't really get to experience that side of him cuz cuz you want him on for the serious stuff, which I think also goes back right. to my point that there's there's a little bit of an issue in getting people to to care about this stuff sometimes cuz oh they God. Yeah. No, Ellie Wiesel, I had to look up who that was. I'm doing a good podcast thing, which is looking him up. That's amazing. <laughs> yes, he talks about very serious stuff. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the audience. Yeah. Did, did you read Night in school? I did not read it, but like, uh, I'm not sure if other classes had to read it because I obviously know of it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Man. But but yeah, I, I guess that that's sort of the thing that comes to mind, and it's um, mm-hmm. it's... I, I don't know. I guess I guess that's that's always the thing that feels very one dimensional when we try to talk about serious stuff is there doesn't always there didn't there doesn't also feel like the potential for joy as well. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, so the alternative of this, you know, who's really 
fucking good at this is Republicans. Mm. <laughs> huh. Because they have Go money. on. It's, it's kind of the money. opposite uh, thing. It's like, you know, instead of, there's a strategy just mm-hmm. like, oh, like, let's make people feel good mm-hmm. and happy and laugh. Yeah. There's the other one, which is like, make people terrified. Um, mm. So, like, instead of calling them uh, undocumented workers, what's a way mm-hmm. more scary thing that we could say? Illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. terrifying, right? That's a that's a branding thing. There's several things that they've got like this. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh my god, abortion. Well, I mean, but yeah, it, it is kind of a it's it, it's all about branding, and yeah. for some reason, it, it's it, it seems to even though there's a side that has all the artists and all the academics. I feel like there's there's still a struggle with branding when it comes to, to communicating science and humanities uh, out when outside. Yeah, I feel like the academics is exactly the problem. All right, so the flip side of this is mm-hmm. choosing to fight against CO two. Uh huh. Like what an uncharismatic enemy, right? Air. Like, <laughs> Like, is that the word? I, 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 but maybe you know what I mean. Like, yeah. no one has, like, disdainful feelings about this set of three characters. You know, right, Arabic right. and Roman, right? We're going to say, like, our villain is CO2. Like, in the 80s, the fight against pollution, like, worked. The 70s and 80s. Mm. And they were, like, pollution. Yeah. You know, like, it appeals to people's yeah. fears and kind of yeah. a sense of, like, uh, purity, which Republicans fucking love. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, they, of course. Well, well, Nixon, Nixon passed the Clean Water. Nixon created the EPA. Nixon, uh, I mean, uh, what, what was uh, the Ocean Mammals Protection, Marine Mammal Protection mm-hmm. Act? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if if you can if you can sell it as like that type of thing, and you know, but then now we're in this space where uh it's in academic circles you really don't want to imply uh purity untouched uh nature because that is now also being deconstructed as a as a product of imperialism and you know that's there there's there's certainly uh stuff to unpack there and baggage in in a uh a a a Western concept of nature and humans role in nature, but you start to tell people about that. And I can feel people glazing over when, when you try to explain that, that there's, there's more nuance to it than just, you know, us dumping oil in the ocean and spraying our DDT in the air, you know? Yeah. 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 We just got to give them the plot of Avatar and maybe it'll work, but clearly not. I didn't see the, I didn't see the new one, but I imagine it's the same thing regurgitated. Oh God. Um, but it, it, it is kind of always fascinating to me when it does, like when messages mm-hmm. like that make their way into like a big screen or like a spectacle like that, yeah. like something cinematic where it's like, God, I really feel bad for these characters and I really feel bad for this setting. I'm so happy that's not happening in our world where I'm actually going to be affected by it. And that kind of just cognitive dissonance is always fascinating. To well, me. yeah, you're you're yeah. a you're a sensible person. If you lived in the bright universe, you wouldn't be racist towards orcs. <laughs> <laughs> right, of course. Of course not. 
Um, God, you're one of the good ones. Oh, I hope so. I try to be. <laughs> it's where you got to be better. We all have to be better. But yeah. um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I, I I do agree with what you're saying. With you're both saying though, it is kind of interesting in that way. You know that mm. because definitely in the art world, there's that environmentalism there's people who are very much doing things with their practice to make a difference let's say and there's people who are aestheticizing it and making it like i guess i guess that's without i'm sorry i'm using so many buzzwords but like kind of virtue signaling in that way too where it's like you want to show that you're aware of these things and that you want to help mm-hmm. make a difference but like it's just a painting or like it's just a it's a video piece or it's whatever and it it, it sits in that almost it's doing something and it's almost not you know what i mean like so i think that's always been i don't know it's just an interesting thing to to work around and finding the nuance within it for sure and it can be difficult because what is the visual language for something that then should probably become activism and how do we work around that but you know also how do you make a call to action without creating binary opinions on things but that's a whole other well, clearly, we need more hot geologists. <laughs> I think it might be on something. I think it might be on something. I, I, I kind of like, and so these people, like your mm-hmm. opponents, have no shame and enormous volumes yeah. of cash. This is important, right. and you know, yeah. like what works a lot better than grassroots organizing is like fucking imperial level, like hierarchies and bureaucracy and like it's like an unstoppable engine that will destroy everything right i think that these Uh, like the problem i'm going to go back to what we were saying you know several minutes Mm -hmm. ago about uh the difference between academics and the business people and that Uh kind of optimism you know like i I feel like the reason why co2 is the villain is because like these people are just so afraid to sound relatable in front of their colleagues you know like uh, mm. people mm-hmm. criticize the way that i talk even in a science really? setting yes they're like you sound unprofessional mm. and i'm like mm. i sound relatable you idiot like i hate you like why is this system so archaic and so exclusionary like and huh. and, and why are we like mm-hmm. afraid to put ourselves out there i mean you don't need to like super glue yourself to the wall of a bank i mean if you want to do that that's great but like, you know, they don't really appreciate the power right. of that industry and that capital and the organization. They're like, it's like unethical of money surrounding it. And we don't want to come off as sounding like incorrect a little bit at the exchange of, you know, uh, appealing to people. Right. Right. Like right. CO2. That's correct that that's the problem. But is that what's going to mm-hmm. are people going to get passionate about CO2? Yeah. Like, not really. It's hard to get yeah. people to get passionate about the environment. Right. And I mean, because I, I think when I was younger, I thought that if you just presented, if you presented the objective facts, that you would sway people's opinions. And yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, and I, I, you know, I maybe I was just naive because I, I mean, I, I think I had just come home for the holidays or something like you know, first or second semester. And like, suddenly I'm in an argument with a, uh, with a neighbor about it. And I'm trying to talk about like, uh, carbon sequestration and, you know, how, you know, now that there's all this carbon that's been reintroduced to the atmosphere that was previously underground, you know, but I could 
feel that the longer I was taking to explain how this worked, it was not getting through. It was it right. was the, the technicalities of it were were lost on them because they had already made up their mind. And you know, years later I would I, I would be in a bar in Ekalaka and we were talking about what is the point of paleontology? Like objectively. Hmm. <laughs> and uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, and, uh, one person, uh, brought up an idea that has stuck with me and I go back and forth on it, but it is something that I, I, I still have thought about. And that is the idea that it is, it is a, a soft science in a lot of ways, but in another, it's this apolitical thing that gets people, especially young people engaged with the scientific process and, uh, and methods, Hmm. uh, you know, it's something that, you know, matters in a certain sense, but also kind of, you know, whether or not T-Rex has feathers, you know, the, my, my credit cards still do tomorrow, you know? Um, sure. And and I, I was very struck by that reasoning of, uh, you know, sort of knowledge for knowledge's sake and the potential benefit that things like that have to a society that gets them thinking critically, that gets them thinking about, about how you arrive at a conclusion with the evidence you have and you can never be 100% sure because you can't observe everything. And I thought that was a... I don't know. Do you, does does that resonate at all with like what you've observed or? I think that's really cool. I like it. Yeah. And, and I, I've thought similar things, you know, I, most people don't go on. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I've worked so hard to get the title PhD geologist, but I think mm-hmm. there's probably pretty few. Congratulations again. Thank yes, you. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like not too many people, uh, r- Really, if we're being honest with ourselves, should put the title geologist, you know, on their LinkedIn. Uh, like even I maybe shouldn't, you know, and, but there's a lot of people that study it, you know, and there is something powerful about that, like about going through the process. It's extremely, I like that it's uh, kind of in the way you said you can't observe everything that sticks out mm-hmm. to me, you know, because uh, very, mm-hmm. it's at the end of the day, interpretive. And I think it's one of the most mm. obviously interpretive sciences out there, if that's making sense. Like in, in physics and math, you got it or you don't, you know, sure. like chemistry is more so that way. Biology, you're getting into our realm. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. with modern methods, you know, and the kind of scale at which you can investigate and know things and the, the volumes of data, it's getting, yeah. it's getting more and more uh, kind of limiting. Whereas like, Literally, what is it like some 10% of the rock from the last, you know, 500 million years or so is mm-hmm. even still in existence, you know, right. like there's a lot Whoa. that you can't know. Uh, yeah. And so you're required to really evaluate evidence independently. Yeah. This is part of all the scientific process mm-hmm. to separate, you know, your results from your discussion. But um, it's really exciting to go to an outcrop that you don't know anything about 
and just yeah. look at the stuff. And you say, don't say mm. anything. Don't even tell me it's a sandstone. Tell me that you see grains of sand, you know, and tell <laughs> me right. if they're and tell me that they're rounded, you know, or if they're yeah. you know angular and the size of them, and then see if the size changes as you go up and down, and then mm. tell me it's a sandstone, you know, and then put it in context. Maybe there's like some fluvial stuff, you know, but it's very like and and you're right, that's apolitical as well. I really like what you what you said, you know, like no one's going to argue about I, some someone someone else said it. I'm I'm regurgitating it. Uh, but I, yeah, I think it, it's, um, no, I, I, I guess it has stuck with me for that reason. You know, it puts a little bit, it puts a little bit of that power in a, in a person's hand. And maybe that's the, the issue with communicating a lot of this stuff is it's a sandstone cause we said it is, you know, yeah, uh, right. Mm, it, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of there's a lot of authoritative language and you're like, I don't know who this person is. Why are they telling me about, you know, these, these what's deposits? A, right. Well, it's <laughs> like, it's also when you, when you enter a post-truth world too, that's just, empath- oh, yeah. you know, that amplifies itself. Well, yeah, it's, it's someone's truth that, you know, quartz cures cancer or something, you know? Yeah. And it's it, because that, that's always, the, that's the interesting yeah. relationship I think science has now too, where it's like how, you know, I've had conversations with people that you hit a wall eventually because it's like you said earlier, I think, Zan, where it's like they made up their mind already, you yeah. know, that it's like you're not going to change anything. So then how do you promote that type of thought? Yeah. And, but the, and then even going back to what you were saying, Daniel, earlier about like the language that you use in an academic setting not being accepted, I think is really that's fascinating to me. And in, in the other way of like, why? Why would they fight against that? Is that just because like it's not professional in the sense of it's not fitting that type of dialogue or like, I, I'm just kind of curious about that. You know, I, I think that what they say is that in my way of trying to sound relatable, I lose mm-hmm. specificity. Mm, and okay. Like, I mean, but it's over things that to, Oh my God, 99% doesn't even get you close. You know, like everyone, but literally probably 13 people on the planet, like would care about, you know, like, like one of the comments, it's like, you keep using total organic carbon and organic matter interchangeably. And everyone knows that there's phosphorus and nitrogen and organic matter. So you like, you're, this is not equivocal, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, right. no one cares. No one cares. Mm, like if we're writing a okay. science paper, I get it. But if we're having mm. like, like you, you want to get it right. But, like, if yeah, we're having sure. a discussion, like, that's not what we're arguing about. Like, we need to understand like, what is at the center of this discussion and do we all believe it? And they'll say, right. well, mm. you need to be precise about your language before we can decide if we believe it or not. And I'm like, zoom out for, like, one second. You know, yeah. like, I feel this. I'm sorry. This is, like, trauma from my defense. But <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. in that case. <laughs> No, no, it's okay because it, I think it's really symptomatic, you know, like yeah. em- emblematic, something like that. Well, yeah. like, I feel like we could say similar things about art history writing and oh my God, the, yeah. the, the argument. Yeah, like the argument is that you have to be precise. You cannot have a you do not want to uh, give an impression of any concept other than very literally what you are trying to say, what mm-hmm. your argument is. And there's, there's a place for writing like that. 
Um, and it's, but it is not in the, in the first wave of, uh, uh, of, of trying to get people that are not already literate yeah. in that kind of thing. It, it is not, it should not be the, the sharp point of the spear to get people interested in things. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No one's going to be convinced by that. You know, if you're, if yeah. you're having to argue about something very important in art history. For well, and, and it, but it's also like, I, I had something kind of similar happen in terms of like my thesis paper for my MFA, you know, with my master's degree of like, the type of language that you have to use that one has to use, especially when describing like an artistic practice and how to go about it. And it's, I, I had a, a professor who was really like an independent professor I was working with when we had this discussion about like the term, the type of writing, the type of academic writing that one can use. And, you know, and in an artistic field is a little, it's different for sure in terms of like that specificity, but I do think, you know, some things are, have to be referential and you have to be certain for sure. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he was, give me some pretty solid advice too about like and and comments and i think because he had something similar happen where it's just the very english standardized way of writing is pretty archaic in that sense and it's just frustrating that it doesn't get let open to some to a different relatable tone let's say like in just keeping with what we've been talking about so mm -hmm. you know in my say in, in my case it was a lot like writing an english paper for like an ap test right like you have to use a very specific type of tone and talking and it's pretty dry and pretty boring and you're not really going to convince anybody of anything necessarily except for people who speak that exact same way yeah. whereas not everybody has that language you know so then it's it's just interesting to me when there's that fight against wanting to be relatable because i think you could be relatable and use the correct terms but you know, and, and like you're saying, where someone's like nitpicking, I could absolutely see that in like the comments of something of someone who needs to have their voice heard. So they want to just nitpick things that weren't necessarily brought up in the first place. I'm always curious on how the academics play. And as someone that's a part of that in a different field, of course, it's just it seems pretty universal almost how they're this type of language gets formed. And it's almost like a bar to entry for other people who may or may not be interested. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. the thing is that people, you know, outside don't mm. really care so much either. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Here's a fun story from my, you know, social media. Uh huh. Uh, and also reflective, like my, my advisor's husband <laughs> looked at my account and they were just watching some of the videos. My friend said that my advisor looked really happy, which warms my heart. She's an amazing Aww. woman. Um, but her husband says he gets a lot of stuff wrong, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the truth is, I I get some stuff wrong because uh, it's mm -hmm. out there. I'm in the field. I'm interpreting. I'm curious. Sometimes I get it really wrong, and you know what the consequences for that are in this setting? Mm. Very little in some of the circumstances. <laughs> Extremely little. So here's a fun one. We were hiking on Storm King, New Yorkers. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I was trying to talk about the geomorphology of the Hudson River Valley and, you know, its glacial origin. And right. I got kind of confused in a bend in the trail. <laughs> and, and so I'm talking about, and the Hudson River Valley, like gesturing this way. I walked mm. around the next curve and I'm like, oh shit, y'all, the river's on this side, dude. Like <laughs> I messed up. I pointed the wrong dang way. And people in the comments, so, you know, this is like probably my second biggest video 
were noticing it. There was probably three people who commented, and they were like, "Yo, you got you said the Catskills are behind you, and you pointed the wrong direction of the Hudson River." Uh, so out of the hundred thousand people, three of them noticed that I made a mistake, and to all of them, I went and said, "I'm." Super sorry. Isn't this hilarious? Like I got confused and I pointed the wrong way. And one of these, <laughs> and one of these, and one of these guys says, "It takes a real man to admit he's made a mistake." <laughs> it was an inconsequential like, thing. Oh my god! Oh my god! And, but that's literally what people in the public expect. Like right, right. Like that's the level. Like, and, I mean, it says something kind of sad about. Uh, maybe the state of humans in general, maybe the times today, who knows. But, mm. like, he really, really enjoyed that I could say, I really, I goofed on this. Like, oh, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, there's so many examples of stuff that I've gotten wrong. But people don't really care that much. They still learn something. You know, I was right about a yeah. lot of it. Uh, and I made a mistake, and I told this guy, and he was like, I love you. You're such a man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean... Yeah. At least, yeah. Hey, not everybody owns up to their mistakes. They just make YouTube apology videos and say a lot of nothing. So <laughs> you're on the right track I'm in that like, way for social I'm media. I'm imagining, things. I'm imagining the video like that. That's like you know, looking straight into the camera, like you know, like it's this very serious apology, but it's just I gestured at the wrong mountain range. <laughs> no, imagine making it like a yeah, like a celebrity apology video, but about pointing the wrong way. Right. I'm here to listen. Yeah. I'm here to listen. Uh and I want to decenter myself mm-hmm. uh and lift up other voices. You know, we're all here to learn. <laughs> uh, all the PR I mean, language. You know, that was honestly I, a good I, one. That was a yeah. good like that's yeah. better than most. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, you're not I to, to my knowledge, uh, you know, there's, you know, you haven't dropped the N-word in any of your videos. No, uh, no, 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 <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Right. Uh, no, but that's, it's, it's a bizarre ecosystem. Uh, I'm, I'm not that shocked, I guess, to, to hear that, but it is still pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. You know what, there is, I want to share a little hopeful anecdote here. Um, Please. As a way of protest... I, for my introduction, for my thesis, I noticed yeah. there was no requirement for an introduction, actually. Oh. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, my advisor wants me to write one of these. Uh, I'm going to do it my way. And so I literally start off by saying, I noticed that this is not really required. Uh, so, But, you know, I think that a, uh, an introduction is a good part of every story. So I'll tell mm-hmm. one, but I'm going to tell it in my way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll speak in a kind of more conversational way that's always been more comfortable for me in hopes right. that, you know, it actually allows you to connect more with this story, you know, because you mm-hmm. need a face on the other side of it. Right. And mm-hmm. my advisors hated it, <laughs> despised oh. it, despised it like, oh. like unprofessional. And of course, the American and the British uh, man and woman will not like tell you like maybe and they're also like very kind people and they don't want to like you know crush my creativity too much but yeah you know they were like this is unprofessional (laughs) and we won't (laughs) we we won't make you change it but i suspect that the committee 
will have problems with it and you're going to have to redo it. And I'm like, okay, we'll see. Like, I don't want to change it. I'm happy with how it is. And so I stuck with my guns. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, on the first day, the very first thing that anyone said in the discussion, this the extremely senior, uh, mm-hmm. like, OG Indian Ocean uh, oceanographer, like, you know, kind uh-huh. of the father, like, he discovered, he was among the people who discovered the phenomenon that I was studying, rolls uh-huh. in. He has a very good kind of... You know, he's just a happy guy. And he says, yeah. so Daniel, you know, he has that like kind of transatlantic sort of accent. <laughs> now Daniel. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> he's an old guy. He's an old guy. But he's like, I loved your introduction. Like the plain language oh. summary. Like it was so, it was funny. It was relatable. You know, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. And, you know, no one said a word. <laughs> oh. Now, nice. Daniel here, I liked how you gave us the straight dick on these rocks. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he, he liked it, dude. I, um, and he said he likes my, my writing style. Wow, and, and you know what? Really... He's, a, he's a legend in the field, right? And I think there's some uh, kind of sorting hmm. factor. Like, you know, no one's going to argue with Steve Irwin, and he became huge in the field, right? And no one will argue with him because he seems like a nice guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's part yeah. of it, right? There's something important about that. Yeah, you know, I agree. Wow, that's that's incredibly sweet. I mean, yeah, you're, you're you're. It's always like it always warms your heart to know that there is someone like that that's in the room, you know, with uh, in in those higher echelons of academia, you know, mm-hmm. just like someone who's 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 disciplined in their field but still has a sense of humor. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. that he yeah. he also is maybe old and bored of reading theses. <laughs> Right, you know, I right. was looking for yeah. a little giggle, and I, I promise yeah. you, everyone else is great. They're they're they're. Well, did great did you people. like did you like but, yeah. come out like come out like to present your thesis like playing guitar? You know, like <laughs> I did have sediment core t shirts. You, you <laughs> <laughs> I did, uh, that was probably you, the biggest did, stunt that I pulled. You, did you come out like like cool teacher, turn the chair around? Yeah, and straddle it. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah and then hit my hey. Face. Or like, or or maybe cool pastor. Hey mm-hmm. kids, you know who the real rock is? <laughs> I guess it'd be Peter in that sense. <laughs> Peter, Peter is the rock. Read it. <laughs> Read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Can you uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what your area of research was that you were uh, defending? My thesis. Yeah, it's yes. uh. I mean, so I studied this region of South Africa. Uh, mm. It's like the Indian Ocean side of Africa, right? So mm-hmm. south mm-hmm. and east. And uh-huh. I used sediments. Uh, you know, big boat goes out there, drills dozens and dozens of sediment cores, like hundreds uh-huh. of meters below the seafloor. And the seafloor yeah. is already at 3,000 meters. That's 10,000 feet for uh, imperialists. Dang, all right. As they're called. <laughs> no, sorry, sorry. Next next time I use a ruler, that is all I'm gonna be thinking about. It's imperial Imperial measurements. God, I just, That's great. I just love I, like I just love inches like an imperialist. <laughs> all twelve of them. Um uh-huh. Yeah, and so we were our goal was to use I mean, it, it's a really neat place. 
Um, the ocean has layers, just like the Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. Surface water, like there, an onion. Like, I, yep. The ocean has. <laughs> I was just saying, the ocean has layers I'm like so Shrek. Sorry, I keep derailing this. I'm so sorry. No, this is high quality content. Ocean, so the ocean has layers like Shrek. Um, yes. And the surface water there is flowing southward. It's a part of, mm-hmm. uh, it's called the Agullis Current, and it's a part of this kind of uh, surface and vertical circulation of warm saline water on the planet that is kind of like our thermostat for climate change. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like this heat moving northward in the Atlantic, for example, is like largely what's responsible for, like, you know, the temperate climates at high latitudes there and uh, CO2 storage in the ocean. It's all sorts of things. Um, the deep water uh, at the, in the Indian Ocean is actually mm-hmm. kind of connected, right? It's like this ocean conveyor belt. This would be a lot better visualized, perhaps. But there's like an ocean conveyor belt that's surface, and then kind of the yeah. water sinks, and then it moves around at depth as well. Uh, it kind of makes this yeah. loop across the planet. And you see both the surface and the deep water kind of uh, legs of this conveyor belt. Uh, at this one site mm. in South Africa. And so, you know, we're using different kind of chemical methods in this sediment, right? So, you know, you can kind of use the layers in the sediment to think about time, like increased depth means older. If you can kind of date it and use chemical proxies for, you know, like the temperature of the water or, you know, like how much ice was on Earth at that time or, you know, the chemical signature of, like, dirt that's blown off of continents or ejected from rivers. Uh, and look at how that changes through time to see how strong these ocean currents were in the past and how they relate to, uh, you know, big temperature changes in kind of recent geologic history. Uh, there was these ice age cycles of the Pleistocene. Of course, our, you know, paleontologists would know about it because of woolly mammoths or something like that. But, you know, it's a very complex system that we... Uh, our understanding of is limited, you know, especially because historical observations only go back so far. Uh, and so you're kind of interested in seeing what correlates with what, what happens first in kind of these major events, like let's say warming at the end of the ice age. And then mm-hmm. you'll compare what you learned about the paleoclimate system to what's happening today. Uh, and yeah, the Agullis current, the first one I talked about, yeah. turns out to be very important in this system. And, that's so, yeah, so interesting. So we are interested in getting yeah. to the bottom of it. Yeah. So, so are you able to uh, like determine things about like ancient currents? Like, does that that shows up in the geological record? Yeah. So it. Wow. We huh. used uh, radiogenic isotopes. So, like, think about like uranium mm-hmm. lead dating, right? Mm-hmm. A rock yeah. on the landscape has an age. If you went to the bedrock beneath us, I mean, it would depend on which kind of chemical system you use. Like, what's the real age meaning there? But it would be about, like, 2 billion years uh, Mm -hmm. if you did uranium lead. If I took a jackhammer and I got a bunch of rock out and I crushed it and then I sprinkled it in the ocean somewhere, there's minerals that you could measure that would still give you that same exact age to... 2 billion years old, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. using this information, you're like, all right, well, where are the 2 billion-year-old rocks? I found some 2 billion-year-old sediments. Uh, oh, the 2 billion-year-old rocks are over here. Well, how did they get here? 
Uh, right. Maybe it was dust. Maybe it was ocean currents, you know, and you kind of limit well, yeah, those spe- things. Especially with like o- oceanic crust, because like the oldest oceanic crust is like what? Like uh, 180 ish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so nowhere near a billion. Right. Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. So you wouldn't confuse those yeah. materials. Interesting. Right? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. And then so there's these three major river systems in Africa that all have quite different uh, geology, you know, like the ages of the rocks would differ in the billions of years. Right. So if you yeah. look at how those sediments are kind of transported, uh, let's say like the younger rock is closer to the core site but there's some older rock like further up, right? The ocean current's bringing some of that sediment like mm-hmm. uh, to the core site, right? Let's say instead yeah. of older, let's pretend that sediment's red, actually. <laughs> and we'll pretend okay. like the close stuff is yellow. Uh, yes. A really strong ocean current is going to bring more of the red stuff to the core site. And let's say you get an mm. orange color, a mixture of sediment, right? And let's say somehow you shut off that ocean current, the color of the sediment is going to look more yellow, right? Oh. Does that make sense? Like it's a, you can kind of using chemistry, look at how this mixture changes or maybe, you know, and maybe the reason the ocean current shut off, maybe the reason is that uh, let's say it turns red and maybe it's because the climate that had the yellow colored rock got really dry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. And so looking at that and you make kind of a time, uh, series of all these different mixtures and then you're like oh shit looks like a you know variation in orbital precession was controlling you know the discharge of sediments from the Zambezi river over the last 500,000 years <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's and that's, that's my thesis <laughs> that's so oh. interesting yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah wow no and and also like i i'm clearly you're good at like breaking it down to different like ways of explaining it as well but that that's that's extremely cool to like be able to find that and and identify that. It's uh had was that how did you even like come across that topic as something to be interested in? Uh I mean standing on the shoulder of giants, you know, my mm-hmm. my advisor's idea basically. That one wow. was uh you yeah. know, and of course the, the idea is that you bring on a student in hopes that they'll uh you know, innovate and make a cooler way of doing it. But, you know, it was, it was like, you know, literally a PhD student that my advisor mentored finished like 10 years ago or, oh my God, mm-hmm. 2006. That's like 15, I guess now. And those are some of the papers I was citing. So, you know, they were working on with similar kind of proxies for a long time. Yeah. Gotcha. Wow. The, basically, the theory is that this ocean current south of Africa kind of dumps water into the South Atlantic sometimes. That's like part of the... Mm this conveyor belt. But there's a theory that you can kind of choke this transition, uh, this exchange of Indian and Atlantic waters. Um, and that like stopping adding salt to the South Atlantic, you know, reduces the ability mm-hmm. of these deep waters to sink. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is kind of like a lever basically that you can turn on and turn off ice ages. It's like closing this, uh, this ocean inter ocean transfer. Yeah. And that's what Whoa. that's what provoked the provoked the curiosity in the region. And my advisor has her own little tools, and that's how we, you know, decided what's the best way to approach it. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. Nice. I could talk um, about this forever, y'all. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that's why you're Dr. Dan now. Yeah, shit. <laughs> True doctor. Huh. Yeah. True doctor. Very wow. cool. Congratulations yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Thanks, dude. Mm-hmm. Feels good. You guys rock. This was like so super duper fun. And you're very funny. Oh, so glad. Oh, you're, I'm glad. You're, you're you're welcome back anytime. Absolutely. Um, well, now that we've we've definitely reached our broadest audience, let's go to everyone's <laughs> favorite section. Stick it or ticket. Oh man. What is this? <laughs> Oh, <laughs> this is where we remark on uh, interesting bumper stickers we've seen through the week. Oh, heck yeah. OK, Joe, what do you got? <laughs> I forgot I wrote this one down. Uh, <laughs> I've stumbled upon a few this week or actually over the last two weeks. Uh, I think this has been the one that's made me so confused. It was a bumper sticker that just said proud mommy on it. <laughs> and that was it. No other context. Just like. No text and i was very like hmm mm. okay interesting yeah must uh, be an unremarkable I- kid <laughs> i like mommy i like mommy that's like yeah they, but they like clearly- a lot of m's Ooh. <laughs> yeah and that's I- for me because i feel like they didn't really that's maybe an old one i feel like hmm Teens have taken mommy away from moms. Yeah. Well, do you know uh. what was? I think it was in like you ever see like for colleges where it's they have like a very specific text with like the colors of like football teams and stuff. Oh, fun, right. Yeah. All right. So it was like that, but un- non distinguishable. Like I did. It, there, there was no indication huh. of like what school this would be. <laughs> as I passed by, and it was very old. So interesting. I was just very confused. Like, why would that be? Because, like, you know what, you would assume it's like, oh, you're a proud mom of a blank student, right? Right, right. At, no. le- at least, like, if, if your kid doesn't make honor roll, you're all, you at least <laughs> say it's like, proud parent of a fantastic kid. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was very vague. Head yeah. scratcher for sure. Interesting. Uh, I thought I almost saw the best one. Allison actually thought it. We, we saw this thing and we both had, like, simultaneous, like, dyslexia. Uh, okay. We drove. We drove by, and we thought this thing said, um, "We take business professionally." Uh, and then we lo- we looped back around to take a picture of it, and it turns out it said, "We take business personally." And it was like, oh. uh, it, it, it was less funny. But uh, the, I, I guess the bumper sticker I saw that was the most confusing was what I think was a big get with wings. It. It huh. reminded me of the penises with wings that we would see all over Italy, but I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure it was a baguette. Huh. Is that like bread heaven? Hmm. Bread in heaven? I don't know. Huh. That's a head Our daily sure. bread? Our da- give us our daily... Oh. oh. Body of Christ. Oh. Yes. Hmm. Yes. As far as other things, next, uh, we usually like to do a quick little summary of music or books or TV that we've been checking out that might be worthwhile. Other people to check out can be pertinent to what we've talked about or doesn't have to be. Uh, Daniel. So listening to a lot of JPEG Mafia today. I don't know if y'all yes. know that. Y'all yes. know JPEG? Y'all, yeah, oh, I do. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, God it's good taste. So Absolutely great good. taste. So good. He's so good. I mean, y'all are already on my bim bam. Yeah, we have mm. uh, we have a lot in yeah. common here. This is great. Yeah, no, I was I was recently enjoying his like he. 
I think he's a true artist in that he's not afraid mm. of anyone, really. Even though he sounds like he's kind of afraid, he's like, <laughs> say what you just said on Twitter right now. Like, it's you know, so they, they want to cancel me. Like, everyone's trying to cancel me. And then he's also got a lib, libtard anthem. I'm not really sure who that's for. If he's kind of more <laughs> making fun of the liberals or if he's making fun of people who would make fun of the liberals. And then right. also he's like, I don't. Like, I don't fuck with these alt-right people either. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's very just kind of extreme dissing on everyone, very unfiltered. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah. his music is just very rowdy. Like, what is it? Uh, Jesus, forgive me, I'm a thought. Um, Great song. <laughs> so <laughs> good. It's so good. Yeah. Bald is good, too. That's, like, the more, like, I think popular song of his because it's gotten remixed so many times. But that is that yeah. song goes hard. Amazing. Good connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, Joe, what have you been listening to? Uh, I've been listening to Slow Tie again, which was more of my like 2022 like albums that I was going through. So back into like Eng- like English UK grime rap again for some reason. That's just become a lot of what grime I listen rap. to. But or it's just grime. It grime and rap are two different things. I'm sorry mm. to anybody who's gonna correct me in the comments, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, Slow Tie, definitely check it out. Tyrone's a really good album. I really like that one a lot. And um, I, I've i also been listening to Cockatoo Twins, too, which is, this is not new. They're very popular, and they're all over TikTok as sounds. But yeah, Heaven or Las Vegas is definitely a driving song for sure. Wait, who's the first Who's the first British artist? I'm literally like, I mean, you have a lot of credibility right now with your, with your JPEG <laughs> shout-outs. Slow no, Tie? Yeah, S S L O W like yeah, slow and then I think it's T Slow Tie, it's like the place. It's the place. He looks very British. Yeah, is it like he's got like <laughs> devil horns on him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's slow. Yeah, that's it. It's slow tie with T H A I. Yeah. Yeah. He's and great. He's tie. so chaotic. I think if you it's very it's it's like a kind of it's interesting because he jumps back and forth with like um you know sound quality so it would be like super grime like really just aggressive lyrics and like sounds and beats and stuff like that but then it'd also slow down and get really complicated and his uh his one album he has a song gorgeous that has just some crazy sample flips on there and the time signature is really nuts let's um, go i like that one a lot too yeah it's good stuff he's i think he's a little let's underrated oh and zan how about you zan oh um so I'm gonna be I'm gonna totally sound like I'm jumping on a bandwagon here, but I swear <laughs> that I was listening to this a week ago. Uh, but I for some reason had an impulse to actually give the Yardbirds a proper listen. Okay. Uh, and have kind of been just really into Roger the Engineer hmm. uh as as an album of like something that's kind of inspired me to you know, with, with, with electric guitar in a way that I I haven't felt in a while. And I, I kind of get why people point to that as such a, uh, such a pinnacle of like sixties rock guitar and obviously Mm. rest in peace, Jeff Beck. Um, but, but a, uh, uh, a, a, some, something that, you know, has, has some very interesting sixties cheese, uh, okay. to it for mm. for some of the music and then some like some really interestingly wild guitar that you're you're kind of amazed that this the the year that it came out that yeah it's um you know uh you you understand why 
every uh hard, every band that would go on to be hard rock would mm-hmm. call back to them. Damn, uh, gotcha. Are they predating yeah. Zeppelin? Uh yeah, well that was Jimmy Page's band before Zeppelin. Oh, that Yardbirds. I was thinking like Yardbirds yeah. Suite like yeah, mm. absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, uh, we're on the same page. But, but for yeah, real. but um I believe Jeff Beck is more present on that album than Jimmy Page. It might have been before Jimmy Page. Uh mm. but a lot of lot of really good stuff on on there for just really, really interesting uh guitar stuff. And I I again I I feel like I'm jumping on a bandwagon because Jeff Beck just died, but uh, I I I had mm. been that that had been in my uh, rotation, and I felt like I should shout that sure, out. Not sure. not that they need more money or anything. Just, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I have been uh, listening to uh, and trying to read because I found it used a lot cheaper <laughs> than <laughs> you know its usual price tag. But I finally got my hands on a copy of. Uh, uh history of everything uh by david graber and mm. it is dense it is a oh. thick book and i'm it's got sure the history we'll... of everything in there yeah yeah we <laughs> will oh sorry the dawn of everything oh oh you got the big book the, okay the, the yeah. big book my apologies yeah. the oh, dawn nice. of everything and i'm sure we will be talking about that in future uh Ooh, i'm excited museum exhibits i do need uh, to get my hands on that yeah man i wish i could read <laughs> 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 it's really amazing to to get your PhD and and not be able to. It's really a skill. It's the pictures. That, just, they, spe- they, that just look. I'm letting you speak. Speaks to you. They have pictures on all of them, like on yeah. every on every paper and all the books. There's always pictures. All right. So well, that's sure. I mean that's visual learner. That, that's that's how I judge a good uh, dinosaur book. It's like, does it have good illustrations? If not, mm. I'm not picking it up. Yeah, get Fair out. Enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Um. Wonderful. Uh. Well. Last but not least. Uh. Things that are going on outside the Uncanny County Museum. Uh. Things that. Uh. People want to plug. Uh. Joe, let's start with you this time. Oh. Okay. Uh. Well. I, I believe the exhibition I'm a part of. Uh. Called Yonder Crush is up at uh the Satchel Projects Gallery in Chelsea, New York. Uh. So you could check that out i have a drawing in there there's a bunch of other artists who have work in there that's really great and i am also a part of this experimental uh yeah this experimental film selection that's going to be streamed in person in germany in a theater but also online in 2023 at some point so i'll have some details for that uh coming up soon but uh that's pretty much it at the moment how about you zan um, let's see. Right now, I believe you can go to Viridian Artists in New York and you will find uh, my piece, Paper Airplane, in the director's choice uh, portion. Um, I have my solo show opening at Darcy Simpson uh, Gallery in Hudson, New York. Uh, we finally have an opening uh, date that's going to be March 25th. Uh, please, please uh, come. I believe we've got uh, quite a few uh, people and some interesting stuff lined up for that. I'm so excited uh, to to have this uh, show. Um, and then also I have my workshop at the John C. Campbell 
uh, folk school in Brasstown, North Carolina. Um, and that is going to be the, uh, ver- the first week of August this summer. And the, you should be able to purchase spots to that class, uh, in the coming weeks. Um, I believe that is all that I can definitively talk about. As always, I've got work, uh, on my website, zampeters.com. Uh, Daniel, what do you have going on? Yeah. So, uh, anyone listening should follow my Instagram. That's yes, you should geonology. I probably should have mentioned that like six more times. Uh, <laughs> it's knowledge, like, like to know things with a K G E O K N O W. It'll fill in the rest for you. Uh, mm. yeah, I, <laughs> I, I also got nervous about spelling geonology. I got ner- nervous about how well I know how to spell. Um, oh, well, I mean, considering you don't know how to read, I mean, it's great. <laughs> I, I, I had someone explain this to me. It took a lot of practice memorizing it. Uh, I'm convinced these characters mean something. Uh, I also have a band <laughs> called Hot Grandpa. Uh, yes. And oh. we are gearing up to release an album in April. And uh, nice, yeah, that's all nice. that's all spinning up, dude. And so, yeah, you can follow me there as well. Wonderful. Hot underscore grandpa. Yes, yes. It's a very evocative name. And evocative Hot music grandpa. that matches. Okay. Not what you'd expect, though. Yeah, we're a, uh, sure. we're a bluegrass quartet, but we don't play bluegrass music, if that makes sense. Mm. What do you play? Some screaming. It, well, it probably has more in common okay. with yeah. grime. Oh, okay. <laughs> 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 no, there's a solid, there's a solid like we have a screamo song called watermelon marshmallow pizza uh, uh but there's like you know nice. some more like rock stuff and some more kind of ballady things uh, my, my favorite band ever is the punch brothers and i'm like it's really oh, cool like a really sad facsimile of that but um mm. you know i and they're like super inspirational yeah. to me well, nice. I, I can I can say while well, we've got you here, you were one of my uh, guitar heroes that I that I knew in undergrad. Like you made me want to get better at guitar. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. living in the dorms with you. Yeah, you rocked it. Well, I had a great time. Thanks. Yeah, Hotel right. California forever, right? Oh uh, yeah, eighth floor forever. <laughs> eighth floor for real. <laughs> Shout out to the eighth floor. I'd like to plug yeah. the eighth floor of. Whatever that yes, was. the of oh. uh, South Hedges Hall it, <laughs> at Montana State. It's probably got. It's probably been rebranded. Like uh, probably so. You know, because uh, the the remember the dining hall, uh, sh- the swag. Yeah, of course. Yeah, they get, They did an update. They like renovated it, and now they call it Miller. No, none of the kids call it the swag anymore. It's like you know, we're just what, what, we're just losing. Wow, we're losing our culture. You Where's know? the culture? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Where is it? Wow. Uh, um, well, uh, obviously you are welcome to come back to the museum anytime. This yes, was yes. so wonderful to have you. Thank you so much, Daniel Babin, hot grandpa geonology. <laughs> uh, this has been, uh, a wonderful, wonderful, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, tour here at the, uh, at the UCM. Yeah. It's been a real Thanks pleasure. Well, thank you again to our guest. Thank you uh, to uh, all of our wonderful fans. Check out our Patreon. We got lots of great um, uh, things at different levels. Uh, Be sure to check us out at Uncanny County Museum on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, Check me out at Xanasaurus on Instagram. And I'm at Joe Semino Art on Instagram. 
geonology on Instagram. Thank you again for coming from the Uncanny County Museum. I have been Sam Peters. And I've been Joe Savino. Daniel Babin. Bye. Bye.